Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of Three Point Podcast. Before we get this thing rolling, I want to thank some great folks, and that includes our sponsors, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the area's premier sports pub, located in Corona, the spot to definitely check out the Masters. Also on board, the Corona Connection and our podcast studio home, Z92.5 The Castle. I'm the old guy, Ted Fatel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5. On the phone with us is Matt Burns of ESPN and Jared Fatel of WJSZ Radio is right here in the studio with me. We'll also be joined tonight again by Jack Strapp and his unique view of the sports world. We'll have a special guest coming up, cross-country and track runner, supreme runner out of Corona, Noah Jacobs. But we're going to start, fellas, with the national championship disappointment. Thoughts? Comments? Well... State fans are are still in my head. <laughs> a, f- a few of them were tweeting out, you know, some like Villanova, like pro Villanova stuff, and I have to admit, it was grinding my gears. Yeah, they're for you knew it was coming. Brain. You knew it was coming. Yeah, it was definitely one of those things where I had a lot of people, um, you know, talking about that. And now that we know that it was the the lowest rated NCAA championship mm. game ever uh, on TV, and you know, it, it, down the stretch, it was kind of uh, Nova kind of blew it away a little bit, but. Yeah, like hearing the Spartan fans or other other teams, Ohio State fans, uh, ripping on Michigan. It was kind of one of those like, you know, do you have Big Ten pride or do you just want to see Michigan lose? And it seems like a lot of people just wanted to see Michigan lose. Yeah, I think that's the that's the way it is with a lot of Spartan fans and a lot of Buckeyes. But I thought it was I, I thought myself what I saw out there somewhat tempered. You know, the diehard Michigan State Michigan haters they're going to hate. There's no doubt about it. And it goes both ways. But uh, you know, a lot of the logical fans, I'll say looked at that game and really, I mean, what what could Michigan do? What could anybody do? I mean, Nova ran through the tournament, beat everybody by double digits. You, I mean, obviously, like, the star player of the game was obviously, like, Dante uh, DiVincenzo. And, you know, I see some Michigan fans saying, Richie like, Cunningham, you mean? <laughs> I saw that you said that to me. Or I don't know who the heck that is. That's right over my head. But. Happy days, brother. <laughs> like the TV show? Uh, the TV okay, show, okay. yeah. But anyway, even if he doesn't go off, it, it would have just been someone else would have gone off for them. They're yeah. really, I think they we lose that game ninety five out of a hundred times. Honestly, that was kind of the thing I was thinking at the first ten minutes of the game when when Michigan was playing well and actually uh, leading the game. I was thinking that this is exactly the way that they're going to have to play if they want to win the game, but can they sustain it for 40 minutes? And obviously they couldn't because they were creating turnovers. Villanova was missing some some shots, and and Michigan was actually hitting shots. But I guess the one thing, like, Villanova was – they were just on a roll that whole tournament. The biggest disappointment to me as far as Michigan goes was they didn't shoot the ball really well. And, you know, I was thinking that – you know they shot okay against Loyola, but I thought that they'd come into that game prepared, ready to go, and and they just they shot so bad. It was it was the worst game uh, behind the arc in the tournament, shooting the three ball. So so that was the one thing that could have kept them in the game, and they just they looked tight. Um, it looked like once Villanova started get, getting on a roll, maybe Michigan you know started thinking that this wasn't their night or whatever but you know it, it was cool to be in the game but i don't know would, is it one of those things where you'd rather get blown out and know that just villanova was the better team or would you rather have it be a close game and maybe lose at the buzzer or something like that no question a blowout man really oh i hate i hate losing the close games more than anything because you know that you should should win or you have a chance to win i you know they were beat by a better team i think we all agree with that right yeah 
still hurts getting blown out, but the the whole key I thought, guys, was in the first half when it got to I think it was around the 15 minute mark, 16 minute maybe. Michigan came out; they were ready to play. They, they had a great game plan by Beeline. They were they looked like they had uh, in, on their faces. You know, it looked like they were ready to go. It didn't yeah. look like they were intimidated. Intimidated, but Matt, you called it. When a couple shots started going for Villanova and a couple shots didn't go for Michigan, boy, the tide turned in a hurry. I mean, when Jalen, when they did that, when they rolled the ball all the way down the court and Jalen Brunson just picked it up right. and strapped it, you got to tip your cap to that yeah, shot. That, that was incredible. That was solid. Watching that game, around the two-minute mark, I remember uh, the first half, it was a four-point game. Right. And I was texting a bunch of buddies throughout the game, and, and I said, if, if Villanova stretches this lead to nine or ten before halftime, I don't think Michigan's going to be able to come back. And sure enough, that play happened. Michigan missed a couple buckets. Villanova got it, stretched the lead before halftime. And, and I mean, Michigan, like, they made a couple little mini runs, I guess you could call it, in the second half, like four points, six points or whatever, but they could just never – I mean, they, they, Villanova was knocking down shots at you. just – you can't do anything about it. I mean, it, they, were, they were playing really well, and, you know, they were a better, better team. Yeah, DiVincenzo, the big ragu. I mean, who saw that coming? Yeah, he was the what the sixth man, the best sixth man in the uh, Big East, right? Yeah. And he actually had some anger issues because he thought he should have been starting all season long. That's a tough lineup to break into, but boy, he made a statement for sure. Is there any possibility that uh, he he puts his name in the NBA hat? It's possible. I've heard that as well. Uh, I mean, I could see this whole team coming back other than like maybe Brunson and Bridges, right. but I could even see one of those guys staying. You know, Br- 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 or Brunson just seems like the kind of guy that's going to be there for four years. Right. But I do have to put my hand up on uh, the DiVincenzo. Okay. Mid- mid-game, like when he had like 12 or 13 points in the first half, I was like, you know, this is fine. Let him get his. Shut down Brunson. Shut down everyone else. Right. There's no way he beats us. Uh, indeed, I was wrong. Yeah, he, he beat us. He had about as good a game as you could have in a national championship game. My goodness, dunking the ball, pinning the ball up against the rim. I mean, he was just on. I don't know if I've seen anybody on fire like that since Bill Walton. You know who Bill Walton is, Jared, yes, by the way? I do know oh, who that okay, is. Okay, just wanted to double it, check. Yeah, it was definitely a red flag for me. Like, wow, when our best athlete, Charles Matthews, tries to slam on him and the white guy, like probably <laughs> their like, third or fourth best athlete, just like sends him packing, just... Pinned it like twice. A, yeah, like a double-handed block. I've never seen that before. That's the thing, the double-handed block. That's what I when they showed the replay, and I was like, he went up with two hands and blocked that shot. I mean, that was that was crazy. Yeah, that that was the thing too. Like he wasn't just knocking down threes. He was beating our best defenders to the hole. He was beating Simpson and Rockbond and Matthews to the rim and getting layups and dunks. So you just got to tip your cap. And they, they were they were the better team. Now, do they all come back other than Wagner? Is there any chance he you, possibly you comes back? Think he's for sure gone? Well, I don't think he's for sure. I would say probably 75% sure. But what, what do you think? I would love it. I mean, I think we would all would love it if he oh, yeah. came back. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to be gone. What do you think about Do you think Matthews is gone or do you think he's coming back? I think Matthews should come back. It's one of those things, like, I would never, if a guy wanted to go to the NBA and, you know, start his pro career, then I would say, you know, by all means, that's your decision. But I think he would benefit from another year, um, especially with John Beeline as his coach, because he, like you said, he's probably the best athlete on Michigan, but his jump shot is pretty inconsistent, and you, we know that his shooting free throws is really poor. So he would probably benefit from another year. But, you know, Wagner right now, he had a pretty good tournament, and his stock is pretty high. So 
it's kind of like that Mitch McGarry thing. You know, McGarry had that good postseason run, so he went pro while his stock was high. That's probably what Wagner should do because, you know, he deserves it. He's played hard. He's put in the work for Michigan, so go get paid. Yeah, he's going to get the guaranteed money for sure. On Matthews again, I'd say come back. I, I got a feeling he might test the waters, but don't sign with an agent, man. That would bother me if he left. I really think he could really benefit from another year. But did you guys see the uh, Jordan Jordan Poole's quote after the game? What, what was it specifically? He was he said, uh, "I'm so like this hurts so bad. I don't think I'm ever going to leave the gym. Like <laughs> getting, I, I cannot wait to see what he does next year. Yeah. That sold me. You know, I'm already counting on the dates of next yeah, season. Yeah, it's gonna they're going to be solid for sure. Michigan State's going to be solid. Uh, it's going to be again a lot of fun to watch those two programs. And now you know, will Izzo have a little bit more fire in the belly if that's possible? I mean, you know, he is just seething at this point of the season, don't you think? I would think so, especially with you know most of his team, most of his talent leaving. Uh, a couple guys early, and then a couple guys with great. Well, I guess Nick Ward didn't sign with an agent, so he might be coming back. But I would think uh, that you know people starting to talk about his beeline kind of taking over the state of Michigan. I would think Izzo is is going to be ready to go. Well, both have some big time recruits coming in, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, Jaron uh, Jackson leaving. Oh, big, big weight <laughs> off my chest. I was nervous there for a second that he might be coming back. But, yeah, I was too, but to be honest, I wasn't surprised. I mean, the way that his season went, you know, I'd, would it really benefit him to come back for another year? So I wasn't surprised, but, but it was a big one. It was a big one. I was happy when I saw it too. So I have a question just sort of like, yeah, MSU next year. Right. Are there allegations? Is that all, like, over or what? Because I know you, Ted, you were calling. You were saying that Izzo was going to be a broadcaster a few weeks ago. Now well, it's, like, it's all done. I, I wasn't saying that. I said it was, a, it was a possibility just from the stress he went through. What else would you do? You know, he's too young just to completely retire. But if you wanted to get out of the coaching hot seat for a while, that would be an ideal thing. I think no. I think now that we've had some time to think about it, I think he's coming back, and I think he'll be back on a mission. I think I'd say watch out for the Spartans. I really, I you really know, think that. I think the guy that people maybe, I mean, people around here probably know him really well, but Foster Lawyer from Clark, Clarkson. This guy, right. I can't wait. He's pretty good. Isn't I'm gonna he? like, yeah. He, I mean, he put up 44 points in the uh, in the semis and like 40 in the championship game. Yeah, it was he's, an all time performance. But in semis, what I worry about with him is he is he going to be like a Drew Neitzel? Uh-huh. Or is Izzo gonna like sort of suppress him, and he's gonna be like a Matt McQuaid? I don't know. I think he's gonna play quite a bit next year. I mean, they're gonna play McQuaid and uh, Cassius. Right, yeah, Cassius. I think Langford's gonna be in that rotation for sure, but I think he's gonna get a fair share of playing time. Yeah, he won Mr. Basketball this year, didn't he, in Michigan? Yeah, yeah he did, and he's the real deal. The Michigan recruit, though, David DeHulius, I know uh, when they when they faced off, uh, DeHulius kind of lit him up a little bit. Yeah, so the only guy that I don't beat know him. if they'll have a little bit of a rivalry going or what. Oh, without a doubt. It's and- too- yeah, oh, I was just going to say the question mark that I've been hearing also, you know, Xavier Simpson, boy, he better work on his shooting. He'll, he, he'll clamp down in the in the practices, but, man, that's going to be a heck of a matchup one-on-one, in the, you know, in this offseason down in Ann Arbor. For sure. I, like, I wonder if it, if, if it would be like, uh, you know, with, with Trey Burke, he was he was the point guard, and then Derek Walton was kind of waiting, and then Derek Walton was the point guard, and Xavier Simpson was kind of waiting. So, but could DeHulius De- take over the job from Simpson? Because, yeah, if he doesn't develop a, a more consistent jump shot, uh, you know, he might lose his job because DeHulius, he, he's a shooter, he's a sharpshooter. So that was another thing that, that I was pretty disappointed with, too, not just the way Michigan shot the ball in the championship game, but Simpson, he, you know, all year he has been so good at taking care of the ball and uh, defending on the perimeter, but he was getting beat a lot in the Final Four, even by Loyola. And uh, he was turning the ball over a lot. So I think he, he had a pretty bad Final Four. So that, that was kind of disappointing to see. But I'm sure he'll come back. He'll, he'll come back strong. 
Now, before we wrap up this segment, fellas, there's a couple things I want to bring up here. It has to do with, uh, ironically enough, Michigan State. Now, you know, a while back there was the uh, sexual allegations against some of the basketball players, and uh, the county over there lowered their charges to littering. Now, now where littering comes from, I have no idea. But did you you catch the latest one in the football team, the three players that were uh, charged with sexual assault? And they got pleaded down. They pleaded guilty to seducing an unmarried woman now where do these where do these charges come from our what are our lawmakers doing that these things are still on the books i mean what is going on yeah i guess it's one of those things that's similar to like i guess if you get pulled over for speeding and you kind of like you know the cop you go to court and the cop reduces it to like improper equipment or something like that then maybe that kind of thing is going on but it's obviously something a little more serious since it involves a sexual assault case so it, it is strange. I mean, I read a little bit on it. To be honest, I'm, I was kind of uninterested because I just uh, I'm sick of hearing about all that stuff and you know kind of disgusted. So yeah, um, it, it's just weird that they changed it to that kind of stuff. Well, it's just bizarre, and I'll I'll show you why I segued into this. Now it goes back to an act. 328 of 1931 in the Michigan Penal Code that says any man who shall seduce any unmarried woman shall be guilty of a felony. Now. That's still on the state of Michigan books. Now, here's one for you guys. This is why it hits home for me. I was, I was on a road trip a couple of weeks ago, and I was going a little too fast, and I got pulled over by uh, Taylor Police on I-94. Well, the cop comes up to my car, and he gets my information. He goes back to the cop car. He's back there for only a minute or two, and he comes back up, and I'm thinking, oh, man, he's going to give me a warning. Well, he, he says, well... I wrote you up this. Now, there's no points, but it's essentially a ticket for double parking. Now, I'm speeding, right? But I get a double parking ticket because there's no points. That was the bonus. It still paid out almost 150 bucks. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Isn't it strange? It's definitely strange, but you know what's an easy solution to that? Well, I, I would have probably just... It wouldn't have mattered. I'd have taken the ticket and the points because I don't have any points anyway, but I probably would have been the same amount of money, so I'll take it. But I'm just... It's just strange that it's a double parking ticket. Yeah. The, the thing that... I, so that is a law. The uh, Check with you, your mom. Have her you, look it up there at the state police yeah. post. You, so you can't have sex with a with someone that's not married? That's a law? You can't seduce them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You better stay away from the wayside, Jared. <laughs> Reading right now, it says, the law states the punishment is for any man who shall seduce and debauch, like debauchery, yep. any unmarried woman. So, I mean, that's basically every guy at college. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, like, if you can get charged with Not that, every. like, I had never heard of that before. That is, yeah, it says it dates back to the 1930s. All right, well, we're going to have uh, Noah Jacobs coming up next, but before we get to Noah, I just want to tell all our listeners, Rivals Tap House and Grill, you know that's the spot to meet up with all your friends, catch your favorite sporting events on their 21 large screen TVs, all kinds of weekly food and drink specials. Uh, Rivals Tap House and Grill, located on the corner of Shiawassee at M21 in Corona. You know, what a perfect weekend to pop on in, watch the Masters, Tiger Baseball, if you're still interested in our Tigers, and also they have a lot of great events in there, including cornhole tourneys you any good at cornhole guys heck yeah i played that i mean i I was playing a lot of beer pong in college but we played a lot of cornhole too i am an okay cornhole player that's what i'll say to that all right well they got a great indoor setup there at rival so stop and see them we are now joined by a very very special guest uh both 
known kind of nationally and also known in our uh, small town of Corona. Uh, we have Noah Jacobs here. I got to tell you, folks, I was doing some research, and he has a long list of accomplishments, so I am just going to roll through them. Seven-time individual high school state champion, two-mile national champion, full locker cross-country nationals, all-American, Corona High School salutatorian, a.k.a. nerd, Wisconsin <laughs> Badger star. But most importantly, he is the coach of a Little League baseball team that recently placed fifth. Welcome to the show, Noah. Thanks. You know, Jared, as you were saying that, I just kind of imagined myself as White Goodman in dodgeball where he's just trying to pump up the crowd with his fist, and that's kind of what I felt like right there. <laughs> that's a great. I know that you love that movie. I, it's one of my personal favorites. But anyway, so right off the bat, you've been down in Badger Country, you know, for about a year now. What would you say are the biggest differences you've noticed in, you know, training and practice between college and high school? Um, definitely the biggest thing is that we uh, we focus a lot more on recovering and like after runs, trying to stretch and roll out and just make sure we're healthy, seeing trainers and different things like that that I didn't do a lot of in high school, so. That's probably the biggest difference right off the bat. And then we're pretty pretty serious about refueling and putting good stuff in our body right after the run and making sure that we're good for the next day. Now, I personally always wondered this. As a, So do you have, like, free reign of Gatorade, like food, uh, like muscle milk, like recovery drinks? Do you have free reign of that sort of stuff? Uh, sort of. I mean, we have to go to, like, certain places to get it. Like, we don't, you can't just take endless bottles of Gatorade back to our dorms, but... <laughs> Uh, we can definitely, after a run, go in and get basically as much Gatorade as we want or as much muscle milk, whatever, organic fuel, chocolate milk, whatever you want to snack on. As long as it's in that nutrition center, you can have some after your run, yeah. God, that I just can't imagine how awesome that would be. I would be mowing down chocolate milk nonstop. <laughs> but, so we, we grew up uh, together. You know, we were in the same grade at Corona. Uh, fun fact, I actually beat you in a cross-country race back in third grade. But, and you, your whole life, you know, you've sort of played sports. You haven't been, well, I say, that's not what I meant by that. You played, you know, football, basketball, other sports other than just running. Do you think that that's benefited you, you know, playing football or as some might say, you know, real sports and real men's sports? Well, team sports yeah, instead team of the sports. individual. Uh, yeah, I definitely think that was a big part of my growing up and becoming a runner. I felt like I had a lot of different athletic experiences and different things that I could use to help me become a better runner and different athletic abilities maybe that other distance runners didn't have. You know, I love playing basketball with you guys and jumping around and doing all that stuff. So I think that, that helped me with some speed and strength on the track. And, I mean, I definitely don't regret any of my childhood in playing sports. I'm glad I started running when I did. And, you know, I definitely enjoyed playing some recess basketball with Jared Falcon, <laughs> Scott Birchmeyer, and the gang back in third and fourth grade. Yeah, and I just I say that because I notice I see like other cross country runners run, and you know they might they might be fast, you know, in cross country, but but they like kind of look like goofy when they run. But when I watch you, you just you're you just have a nice smooth running like form, and I just feel like it's just because I personally think it's because of all the time you spent playing football and basketball. Yeah, I mean that could be accurate, but I don't know a lot of different kids played a lot of different sports. You know, a lot of kids in cross country were big soccer players for a long time because that involves a lot of running, but. Running, running forms and how people look are always goofy and running. No kid looks the same, and you know you can get the the giant kid who's six foot five and is great, and then you can also get the kid who's five foot nine and looks just like he should not be running and beats a bunch of other guys that are bigger than him and kind of built more like a stick. Let me pivot off that for just a second. No, I know you played a lot of different sports when you were a youngster. What was the moment where you decided you wanted to be a runner? 
Probably my freshman year of high school, Jason Belvigo, the head track coach, kept pestering me and pestering me, telling me I should run track, and I wouldn't regret it if I just tried it even just for a year. And my freshman year of cross-country, I had a really good season, and then I ended up being the top freshman finisher at the state meet in our race. And it kind of made me think, like, man, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Maybe I should really work on this and try this stuff. Like, you know, I was coming off the bench in basketball, and football wasn't my thing. And I was all right at baseball, but I never really played a big travel league or anything. You... And then got put on the stage with all the other kids from different schools all over the state and found out I was actually pretty good. And but maybe this is something I should look a little more seriously into. Yeah, and you, you didn't even mention uh, back in eighth grade, I remember, you you know, baseball was your favorite sport. And then you ended up having to miss a whole baseball season because you broke your hand. Do you think that that had uh, something to do with it? Just sort of like destiny almost? Yeah, I've definitely, you know, used that for a couple papers because it'll, it'll get some English teachers to, oh, wow, that's so cool, and <laughs> give you a good grade and whatnot. But I uh, definitely think breaking my arm and, you know, kind of having me run for that extra month before I got my cast off and could start playing catch and doing some baseball stuff again was a big part of me kind of getting to know some of the guys on the high school team and kind of liking running more because there wasn't something else for me to turn to at that point I could pretty much all I could do is run and I think the doctor said I couldn't even like go up and down hills because if I fell I could re-break my arm so he was like don't touch baseball don't touch football just run if you want to and that's what I did and I got really close to a couple of my teammates and coach Hyde and just really started to like it so I think you might be right Jared uh, that day and Chris you <laughs> I broke my arm. Maybe that was destiny. Yeah, I think I I think it was. No, uh, I've been to a, f- a number of cross country meets, especially in Corona. Uh, they have a nice course there where you go through the woods for part of it, and some of the Saturday invitationals were really they're really a neat event to go watch because you can cut across as a fan and watch one stretch of it. You can watch the beginning. You can walk over to the finish. I mean, it's really a a cool thing to to watch as a fan, and you know, selfishly. You know, you have baseball nowadays. Tigers, for an example, played a five-and-a-half-hour game. But a cross-country meet, you know, if you want to watch all the top runners in high school, you, you can be out of there in a half hour. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it's bang-bang, and it's exciting. Yeah, that's a good call. Absolutely. No, I was going to ask you about uh, going to Wisconsin. You know, Jared listed off your, your long list of accomplishments at Corona, and you have a ton of success. Has it been a humbling experience going from high school to, you know, major college athletics where you're racing against some of the, the best in the country? What what kind of experience has that been for you? Definitely been a really humbling experience. I've had a lot to learn in just this first semester and, and then this half of the semester. I've definitely taken a lot of information in and tried to spread it to different people like my brother and the high school coaches and stuff. But, I mean... You know, I ran a I ran a personal best of 35 seconds at Iowa State in a 5K on the track, and I was second in my heat, and I was in the slowest heat. So it was pretty crazy to see. You know, you're back at the bottom of the food chain again, and trying to work your way back up, starting all over again. You don't you don't just jump right into it. It's not like Kentucky with basketball, how a freshman can come in. and be a real game changer not to say that there aren't freshmen who are really good but it's so much harder racing 23 year olds like fifth year seniors all these guys out there and i mean we've got guys on my team that are more than a minute faster than me in a 5k and it's pretty crazy yeah and you said like 
So this is what was crazy to me. I remember you told me this a few few months ago. But your best player or best runner, uh, he's he decided to take a redshirt year, like in his senior year, to just get prepped for next year. Or what's that whole story? Redshirts are definitely different than in other sports like football, basketball, the mainstream sports. So we have a really great runner. His name's Morgan McDonald. He's actually going to run at the Commonwealth Games for Australia Sunday, and he. He redshirted cross country so that we could use him next year for cross country so that he can try and win a national title on our home course. And oh, then okay, that's cool. He also redshirted indoor because he had redshirts available for both those seasons, and he went back to Australia to try and train and try and make the Commonwealth Games. So after he races at the Commonwealth Games, he'll be back and hopefully win a win another Big Ten title, maybe even a national title on the track this year. And it's definitely definitely different, but coaches use. Redshirt's a little more strategically, and if someone gets hurt, you can redshirt at pretty much any point during someone's career as long as they weren't redshirted right away. So, I mean, I was not redshirted in indoor track, so I could be a third year and say I I got hurt and whatever happened, they decide they're going to redshirt me, and then I'm still going to be able to run indoor track as a fifth-year senior. Isn't that just crazy though? Like, can you imagine just in like big college, big time college football or college basketball, if like a senior they just redshirted him? Yeah. Just, just like we got. Oh, we're gonna have a really good team next year. Let's redshirt you. I can kind of see that too. Uh, you know, because you're you're competing for, like you said, no, a Big Ten title, national recognition, and national championship. But ultimately, are you looking ahead in a crystal ball when you're a little older and maybe making a run at the Olympics? Uh, that's a question that people have definitely thrown at me a lot. You know, you see one person who is good at running and no one really knows what it goes on past you know maybe the michigan state level if you're just a high school fan or going to college whatever maybe and people always throw out you know are you do you want to go to the olympics and i mean obviously i'd love to go to the olympics i'd love to represent america hopefully i can develop and stay healthy and uh my one goal right now is to be able to run at the olympic trials and then see where I am at after mm-hmm. college That'll and if I awesome. want to keep running or if I want to start a career and maybe try and settle down a little bit more and just we'll we'll see where it is how it happens it's really hard to become a professional runner and you know make a living that way so if I can stay healthy and become fast enough to do that that would be awesome I would I've always dreamed of going to the Olympics but it's a pretty tough goal and you know something that is a long way away. It's not like it's just going to happen in another year. Or so just going to keep working towards it, and yeah. hopefully one day I can wear an American jersey. <laughs> that would be incredible from Corona in the Olympics. But obviously, you know, a lot of people just say, you know, are you going to run the Olympics one day? They don't. It just there's obviously a lot of work that goes oh, into that for yeah, sure. For sure. And I'll yeah. It, but before we let you go, I got one more question for you. Uh, I think it's pretty pressing and it's very uh, debatable. But you see this in sports radio a lot and sports talk. How long do you think it would take LeBron James to become the best cross-country runner in the world? <laughs> a month? That's a that's a really interesting question. I think I think LeBron James could for sure right now run a sub-five-minute mile. But I think for LeBron James to become the best cross-country runner in the world, he would have to pretty much start over, like go back into high school and do it all over again. Because there, there are people from Kenya, Ethiopia, who have just been – training their entire lives and training at altitude and they're just so so talented and work so hard and I mean there are some guys out there in the world that it's insane you know a guy almost ran under two hours in the marathon that's that's like 440 pace for 26 miles and you know 
I barely incredible. run under that for three. So the best runner in the world, pretty unlikely. But I think LeBron James would be a pretty good runner. Uh, it's sort of in that, you know, just last lap, I guess last one before we go. I'm just gonna kind of give you the floor. Do you uh, do you want to maybe have you know 30 seconds to sort of say what you don't like about football? What I don't like about football, I got 30 seconds to say what I don't like. Yes. All right. I I love the game of football. I love watching it, but I'm not a huge fan of the idea of starting kids really young into football and maybe getting kids hurt at a young age. And I'm also I do not like commercials. I do not like calling a bunch of timeouts at the end of the game and you know, everything taking forever and clock stops and all that. I've never been a patient person, and I think I think football should be played a little faster. I think the play clock should be a little shorter and, you know, just see a little more high, high-powered high offense in football and some real speed in the game. That's that's what I'd like to see change at the biggest level. Yeah. Uh, I disagree. I'm a football guy, 100%. But is there anything else you had for us? Maybe a question for us, Noah? Yeah, so um, – what do you guys think is the most prominent sport in Corona that people love to follow and watch? Do you think people like basketball more or people like football more? Let's just hypothetically say that all the teams are very, very good. What do you think is going to draw more people, football or basketball? I, I like that question. I can appreciate that you, you left out cross-country, even though you're such a diehard. Uh, you know, obviously, you love cross-country. You've made your bones there. I personally think it's a football town. Yeah, uh, Corona's a football school for sure. I mean, it's, they play solid basketball, but to answer your question, it's football in my opinion. Yeah, I'm just thinking back to my days in high school, and uh, you know, we were we had a little success in thinking about the crowd that we saw at the football games. We had a huge following of our basketball teams, but that that football field, I mean, it was it was stacked like five deep along around the fence, and the grandstands were full. So I, I would think it was it's more a football town. One one final final question. <laughs> What's what's next up for uh, Noah Jacobs? What are you what are you in the middle of right now? Obviously track season, right? Yeah, so right now I'm just training for hopefully making the US junior national team to represent the US for the under 20 world championships this summer in Finland and wow. I can stay stay healthy and be able to make that that team and that roster and travel to Finland in early July and go race against the best in the world that are under 20. Well, we're going to be checking in with you, all right? All right, sounds great. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on, and uh, we all wish you luck, and hopefully we can get you on again. Yeah, go Badgers. That'd be awesome. Go Badgers. Well, great stuff from Noah Jacobs, and we'll definitely continue to stay in touch with him on his uh, running quest. I still say down the road, he's a dedicated kind of kid. Olympics could still be there. That would... That would be a really cool moment, just for the entire town of Corona, state of Michigan, everyone. Well, Jack Strap's coming up here in just a moment, but before we get to Jack, I want to remind our listeners that another great sponsor we have, the Corona Connection. That's a direct mail paper sent to all of Corona Vernon and Shiawassee County parts of Lennon. Don't forget, you can also pick up a copy of the latest edition at many Corona businesses and Kroger. And best of all, you can follow them on Facebook, just like our other sponsors, Rivals. All right, next up. Jack Strap. Hello, Fred, Mark, Jerry. Well, not a whole lot to say about Michigan's loss to Villanova other than simply stated they were the better team. Let's face it, uh, guys. Uh, Michigan had an easier road to the championship game and should be applauded for maximizing their potential to the extreme. But Villanova would defeat Michigan seven out of ten times. 
so you're saying there's a chance. Yes, and it could have been this past Monday if six-man Harold Jensen did not show up to have the game of his life. He played like he was a mix between Stephon Curry and Clay Hobbs Thompson, and he's a white dude. I guess white men can jump. What an incredible performance. It certainly did not help that our German boy lost his cool and composure. Villanova coach Raleigh Massimino made some excellent adjustments after Michigan raced out to that great start. Following the defensive adjustment by Massimino, Villanova swarmed Mo like he was Berlin, Germany, facing enemy planes from every direction in 1944. And gentlemen, he cracked under the pressure. Plain and simple, the better team prevailed. But congratulations to Coach Tommy Emmaker for his terrific season. One final basketball note on the women's side. Congratulations to Muffet McGraw and the Lady Irish for an incredible season, providing this humble old man with two of the best basketball games I've ever witnessed, men or women. With a last-second win over UConn and Mississippi State, it was crazy. I think Notre Dame was fortunate that 6-7-inch Tierra McCowan missed that puppy shot with under a minute to go, and Notre Dame guard Marina Mayberry ran over Mississippi State guard as she was sprinting with a ball at midcourt looking to win the game. Uh, she was practically tackled by Chris Zorich. But anyway, Skyler Diggins, two game winners in a row. Unbelievable. Hey, fellas, it's spring, and the Detroit Tigers are back to playing ball. I feel like I'm back in 1975, though, watching Tommy Verizer and Ben Ogilvy. Boring. What a depressing summer that was, and what a depressing summer this one will be. Oh, well, at least I have the Masters on TV this weekend. I love the Masters, except I cannot understand why they get excited to put on that nasty green jacket. Hell, I have one in my closet, too, that Jackie picked out for me back in 72 for my Uncle Rocco's funeral. I've not heard one single golf expert taking John Daly to win the Masters this weekend, but I like his long game, and I drink the same whiskey. I also expect Rory McIlroy and Greg Norman to be in the hunt for that ugly jacket. Finally, I'd like to thank the NFL for having actual players assist in rewriting the rules governing what makes a catch rather than that stupid they must have had a bunch of lawyers get together guys who wrote that last one I think it read something like uh, if a player or habeas corpus survives the ground with his balls intact a judicial ruling of quid pro quo will therefore be sustained governing the play as a fair catch blah 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 the new rule in simple terms says hey it looks like a catch it's a catch and speaking of catch guys i'm heading out to catch me some fish with my son jake so take care guys well as always good stuff from jack and you know he touched on a lot of topics there one of them is uh, i think the big story this weekend and that's the masters it's the best time of the year it's the best time <laughs> of the year i knew i well first off let me explain my fandom i've grown i grew up you know right across the street from a golf course my entire life but I knew it was Masters, and I knew that I might be a little bit of a weird fan when I found myself just immersed in, like, Tiger Woods's like, driving range, like, practice for, like, 30 minutes earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> Must-watch TV. Must-watch. Masters of- is really cool to watch. I don't know if it's because it looks so cool on TV, but it just seems like all the best in the world come out, and they, 
they play their best golf a lot of times at the Masters, and and it's it's always like it's a sign of spring or something like that when when the Masters is on. So it's definitely a fun fun golf tournament to watch. It's the best, in my opinion, by far the best. I mean, out of all the majors, the one thing that sets it off, I think, is it happens in spring. Really, it's the early mm. major. I mean, just to hear those birds chirping at the course, it's it's just calming. The pa- the pageantry is just unreal. Have you guys seen the? Uh, like how they do like the the champions dinner. Have you guys do you, are you guys familiar with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I'm just curious if you were to throw your own uh, like Masters Championship dinner, what do you think would be on your menu? Wow, well I know prime rib would be one of the one of the main entrees for me. I know, like Tiger Woods back in like 1997, all he had was uh, cheeseburgers, fries, and milkshakes. <laughs> that sounds pretty damn good to me. It's pretty solid. I might go tacos. Yeah, the oh, old taco I... bar. <laughs> I, you might get laughed out of the. You got to have some class, Matt. You can't just uh, show up with a taco bar. Tacos. Yeah, they'll bring they some good tacos taco in. Bell. Another thing is sort of. I'm 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 intrigued by the food there. If you haven't, if you if you'll notice real quick. Okay. You see, like you know, Darren Ravel tweets uh, like the the menu, like how cheap it is, like four buck burgers and four dollar well, beers. He did, he did comment after that. It's one thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> to even get in. So yeah, it's like right. at that point, I mean, geez. So I guess they figure if if you're here, you've already paid enough. We'll we'll give you a two dollar burger, a two dollar beer, or whatever. But but yeah, it, it's fun to watch. I know uh, Spieth kind of got on a roll today, and he's leading actually. But did you guys see the the dude yesterday, Tony Finau, who yeah. hit a hole in one at the par three contest, and then was celebrating and dislocated his ankle, and then popped it right back into place, didn't he? Popped it right back he's, in, and he yeah. he's at minus four. He's, he's, at, yeah, he's, he's uh, in second place behind Speed. So that that's crazy. Well, you know, you bring up the par three. I mean, that was one of the great moments I've seen in golf. I mean, to see Jack Nicklaus there, Tom Watson actually winning that little mini tournament, and Gary Player. Okay, that those three he's alone. Incredible. Gary Player, eighty-two years old, and looks what he like sh- he's like sixty. They all shot under par. But the biggest story was the fifteen-year-old grandson of Jack Nicholas hits a hole in one on one swing. It was that unbelievable. Would be, uh, yeah, that can you was believe a really that? Cool moment. I don't know how you top that. I mean, unless he ends up becoming a, a professional golfer, but I don't know how you top that. I mean, at the Masters, nailing a hole in one. I loved it too. That. Uh, when he hit the ball, he did the, the the club twirl. Yes. He hit it, like, completely confidently, like he was going to nail a hole-in-one. Yeah, and Gary Player's going, you're going to like it. You're going to like it. It was <laughs> awesome. So it sounds like you are a fan of the Masters, Uncle Ted, right? Oh, I love the Masters. Yeah, that's the, really the one golf tournament. I'll probably sit there and watch all, all of the coverage on Sunday for sure. You know, and, uh, time is a premium now, when you get up to be my age, boys. But I, lo- I do love the Masters out of all the golf tournaments out there by far. Did you guys see uh, Sergio today on, on number 15 go go 10 cup? Yeah, 13. Oh, nice. <laughs> he hit five into the water. What's incredible is that he wasn't hitting bad shots. That just shows you how tough the course is. Exactly. And, and is that green? Every right. I guess everything, you know, because that, that Rays Creek, I think is what it's called. It's like the very, you know, right. the lowest part on the entire course. So everything sort of flows toward it. And yep. you just saw it. He's hitting good shots. They're spinning into the water. Why After yeah. the first two go in the drink, though, don't you – Maybe change your approach on how you hit the ball and not have so much spin. Maybe maybe hit it past the green if you can or whatever. Well, I think that's what like what Massa. That's just his tin cup. He's gonna hit his best shot. I, that every was time. it. That was it. You're right. It's hard to question. I mean, he is a he is a defending champ, so he he knows what he's doing out there. But when you see a guy over and over hit him into the water, it is kind of funny. 
Uh, I was going to ask you guys about, you know, Jared, you mentioned Tiger Woods. I was talking with some people at work today, and, and it seemed like it was almost like split down the middle. Half the people, you know, they were loved watching Tiger. They wanted to watch every swing that he took, and, and other people were like, they were over him. They were saying they're sick of how he's overshadowing the young guys like Spieth and, and uh, Dustin Johnson and all these guys. Like, So where do you guys sit? Are you, do you think Tiger should be getting all this coverage, or do you think that – you know, yeah, it's a cool story, he's back or whatever, but they should focus on the young guys. Uh, well, I think money talks. I mean, when Tiger is coming down the stretch in a tournament and you see the TV ratings compared to when he's out of contention, it's humongous, and yeah. it does nothing but put money in the other guy's pockets. I say, hey, guys, if you don't like the coverage, you better go beat him then. Yeah. I, I that's kind of what I said is, like, you know, I don't think, I don't think any of these players are – um, they're not afraid of him anymore, you know, like what they used to say, the whole Tiger intimidation thing. I don't I think agree with that necessarily there anymore, but I think they can appreciate his greatness, and he is one of the best golfers of all time, obviously. But that, that was my thing is like, hey, they should appreciate what he's bringing to the game because if he's in contention on the weekend, a lot more people are going to be watching. So if you are Spieth or, you know, Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, whoever, any of these guys – if they're leading and Tiger is around, more people are going to watch him, which means more people are going to be watching you. So I, I think it's, you know, it, you should appreciate it while you can to play with a guy like that, him or Phil Mickelson, you know, guys like that. You should right. appreciate it. Well, you know, we've had our debates, LeBron, Michael, Kobe, all right? And it's the same thing in golf. I mean, the old-timers say, oh, Jack Nicklaus, he, uh, he, he'll never get touched on the, on the majors. Probably won't now, but, Jared, I'm going to point this at you. Just like LeBron, really, the pro golfer that you've watched growing up completely has been Tiger Woods, right? Yeah, he's I, – I already put him above Jack Nicklaus. I get right. I get that, you know, he hasn't won as many majors or whatever, but well, – he, he cost himself with his exactly. karma. There's no doubt about that. You know what that. I hate, though, about the whole Tiger coverage? What's that? Is, like, I just saw, like, a Nike commercial today where, you know, they show him, like, hurting his back, like, the whole comeback. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do the comeback, you got to include, like, the DUI story. They, like, avoid it 100%. That's part of the story. That's what makes it such a good comeback. Like, include his, like, goofy, like, DUI photo. Include the how he's addicted to painkillers or whatever. That's part of the story. Include it in the coverage. Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah, I think that, well, that was Nike bringing back his, his sponsorship, so... They might have wanted to stay away from all that from for uh, for the commercial, but I know what you mean. There was a there was a piece on ESPN on Sports Center. Um, I think Wojciechowski did it, but he talked about all the the DUI stuff and and losing his wife and all those kind of things. So so that he he did talk about that because yeah, it is part of the story. But but actually, so Jared, what year were you born? Nineteen ninety nine. Ninety nine. So I mean, what Tiger's run? What like two thousand eight is when he started to to dip down a little bit. Yeah. So. Yeah, the whole time of you growing up watching golf, I mean, you've been watching Tiger. That's why I, the the course that you talked about growing up across from, uh, I played in a couple leagues at Corona Hills, and the main reason that I got into it was because of Tiger Woods. Oh, for sure. Both you guys, you know, and I may have uh, miswrote where you're at. Actually, Matt, you're technically a millennial, aren't you? I guess. I mean, (laughs) I've seen different things. There's like a... There's a yeah. bunch of different and Jared's ones. Jared's really it's ge- Generation Z. Every list you check, it changes. It's bizarre. I know. Hey. I, one thing's for sure, I am the baby boomer. But what would you – so you, you talked about the old guys. So, I mean, were you were you into golf back in the day? What, I mean, did you watch it, Ted? Or? Yeah, I watched it, but, I, you know, not like Tiger. Tiger really – he escalated it without a doubt, you know. I mean, it, he's a whole level above the other guys. Yeah, I watched it when Nicholas and Palmer and Lee Trevino was a cool guy back in the day. And, and, you know, I give those guys a lot of respect. But 
Man, I, I had other things to do than sit and watch golf back when I was young, to be honest with you. Like watch right. baseball games? I Back in the day, watch baseball, you're right. But I was mostly outside in sports, playing sports outside. <laughs> I tell you, That was one like realization I had. Is like, man, I cannot watch a second of a baseball game, but here I am watching golf. Tiger Woods take practice cuts on the driving Oh, and the coverage, the coverage is so much better, and the quality of the camera work. I mean, it's just incredible. Yep. Well, do you think, Jared, if, if Tiger wasn't in it or say he's retired or, you know, whatever, would you be watching Zach Johnson, you know, Ricky no. Fowler, all uh, these guys? Would the you ma- be as locked in if Tiger wasn't there? The Masters, yes. Any other tournament, no. All right. I mean, that's a, Tiger's fa- that's, or that's a Tiger factor, right? Without a doubt. Yeah. I'm just, I, like, when I talk to other guys, people about it, and it, they almost, some people seem to, like, discredit his greatness because of what's happened, you know, the last, whatever, four or five years. You know, I, I feel like it's one of those things, like, his dominance in golf, like, do you think that's something that will ever happen again? Because it, it, it seemed like there for a stretch, if he was in a tournament, he was going to win it. Yeah, it's going to be very tough. There's no question about it. You know, I mean, it, it, he was he was phenomenal the yeah, way, whole way he approached the game. Well, like a, well, yeah, for like a two- or three-year clip, he was winning like 51% of his, like, tournaments that he played in. You know, there's one that's thing the I did want to ask you guys, and it's, uh, by no means am I any kind of but do you think you know the legacy of guys like Tiger with his off the off the course antics and Magic Johnson what went on with him and you know you, do you guys look at at those guys a little differently maybe down a notch than if you look at a phenomenal career like LeBron who hasn't had any real scandal involved in his career I put him up at a little higher of a level just on the on the humanity of things what do you guys think about that? I, I mean, I, I guess I like I try to separate. Like, if I'm talking about a guy's greatness in a sport, I try and just talk about the sport um, because I always try and take the approach that I don't know any of these guys personally. Yeah, you're a Kobe Bryant. You know, fan. I'm not. I'm not talking to them. I'm not going having dinner with them or anything right. like that. So I don't know them personally. I'm just going off of articles that are online or you know stuff on a news report. So and we know that that stuff is sometimes blown out of proportion. So. So, you know, I try not to judge people's personal lives, and I just go off of their, their sports greatness. So if I'm talking about Tiger Woods, he's, he's the greatest golfer I've ever seen. Yeah, well, that's a fair fair response for sure. Well, let's move on from golf, guys, when we should be wrapping up here shortly. But we got to talk a little Pistons and Tigers. Looks like Stan Van out of the playoffs. First of all, is he keeping his job? I mean, it seems like, yeah, the reports I saw, I mean, I've read some preliminary reports, I guess, that he's not going to flat out get fired, but his his uh, responsibilities might change. So, I, you know, I don't know. I, I still think he's a good coach. Like, I, I guess that's the thing. Like, they have played a little better since Reggie Jackson came back. So it would have been interesting to see if Reggie Jackson was healthy when they made the Blake Griffin trade, you know, what that team would have done. But you you can't, you know, ignore the fact that, Every year that Stan Van's been there, they've missed the playoffs. So, I mean, there, there's been no progress. I think he's he's a good head coach, but what they need to do, they need to get rid of him as the GM. I think everyone can agree that was not smart. Yep. He's clearly making moves to save his job. Because if he, if he didn't have if – he, if he hadn't made the Blake Griffin trade, I think he's out this year, I right. think, personally. So I think that's why he did that trade. How many years has he been there for? So this is four, three years. Three years. Three years, no playoffs. They're the they're the only team in the East to not win a playoff game in the last ten years. Wow, I, I tell you what, I'm fifty fifty. I mean, I I could say see you later, or if they give him back one more opportunity just to coach and bring in a good GM, uh, I'd be okay with that. Now, if you replace him, here's one for you guys. How about Rick Pitino? I'd love it. You know, I'd love it. I mean, Pitino was uh, pretty terrible when he did go to the NBA and coach with the Celtics. So, I mean. 
his track record isn't really there, but he, I mean, he's a good basketball coach. So maybe in his second run at, at the end or the NBA, maybe he'd be good, but his first, his first go at it with the Celtics is not very good. No, it wasn't. You're right. But uh, I mean, look at Larry Brown. I mean, he he had some success in both. Uh, Patino's got to be hungry just to be back in the X and O's. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Maybe if if he's not running around in the dark, because you know I, there is something about him being a vampire. <laughs> there you go. Hey, also um, t- quickly on baseball, Tigers opening day. What a heartbreaker that was! And it's we talked about it, fellas. It's going to be a long year. It looks like it's going to be a long year. And what did I see today that uh, Miggy Miggy left the game? He hurt his hip or something like that. Oh great! So like it's already starting. That Miggy's starting to break down. And he's signed through 2025. So it's just like, oh it's just. Those baseball contacts are hilarious. Man. And whose brilliant idea is it to play in the northern climate in, in March? For God's sakes, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's been my thing for a while, that if you if you want to try and change the game or try and get, we, we talked about it before, try and get some more younger fans, they, they need to shorten the season. And the easiest way to do it is shave, you know, 12 games off the front end of the season and start in late April because, I mean, I saw Minnesota the other night was playing in basically a blizzard. Right. And, right, Tigers are getting rained out. They're getting games canceled because of the cold. Like, there's just no reason to play this early. I don't know why they can't even go, like, day-night doubleheaders a little bit more. Maybe have Saturday, day-night doubleheaders. You know, you charge admission cool. admission for both games. You don't lose any revenue. I mean, you got these guys can play a couple of baseball games in a day, and you can condense the schedule a little bit that way also. Sure. Or I've even heard people talk about why don't they, the first couple weeks of the season, try and play all the series, you know, in the southern states, in Arizona and Florida, right. you know, California, try and get all those series during the early parts of April, um, you know, where their weather is still a little better. But I, I don't know how the schedule would work out with that. But, but yeah, there, there's no reason to be playing these games in 30-degree weather with dudes pulling hammies and blowing their arms out because it's so cold. Obviously, they need to cut down the season. I agree with you guys. You you guys on that, but I it still would be a long haul for me. I I realize this is going to be a long season, not because the Tigers aren't going to be good, yeah, but because I realize it's going to be a whole. This is the time of the year where I battle my dad for the remote. Where I walk <laughs> in and he's got baseball playing, and I just badger him about switching the channel, and he usually relents. But on opening day, I had to watch the entire game. I got a question for you, Jared. What? Because when you were a young kid. You were a big baseball fan. What turned you off to the game of baseball? Is it the time of the, the how long it takes, or what? What turned you off to baseball? I I really don't know. I yeah, I was a huge. I mean, it's hard not to be a fan. I mean, you saw a JV yeah, no hitter Magley, live yeah, live. I know that should just tell you where we are as just uh, as where millennials are just as baseball watchers, right? Uh, but I you know obviously I was a fan. You know Justin Verlander. I saw that firsthand a no hitter. I saw Ma- I was probably Magley. my favorite sports memory. Maybe behind the Trey Burke shot is Meglio Ordonez hitting that uh, walk-off against the A's. Yep. Somewhere along the lines, I don't know what it was. I just stopped watching baseball. How about, you, how about you, Matt? You're still a baseball fan, right? Oh, yeah. I, I still love baseball. I'm, baseball was kind of my first love, I guess, as a kid, and you know I still do. But it's tough for me this year. I, I still I, I keep up on the Tigers and everything, but it, I'm not going to – I can't say I'm going to watch a whole lot of them this year um, just because I've got other stuff to do, I guess. But but the games, I, I am getting to the point where these games, when they last four hours, it's just 
it's almost draining. I mean, it would, when the Tigers aren't even competitive and the games are still lasting four hours, it's it's tough crazy. To watch. Yeah, it's crazy, and they're trying to get younger people involved, but I don't know what they can do. I know I saw the I think it was the Mets and the Phillies. Actually, the only way you could watch their game was on Facebook. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, there were some people watching it uh, at work, and and that's a way to do it because that way you can just watch on your phone, or if you're, if you're on a computer at work or something like that, you can just watch it there. But I mean, that's a way to do it, and they you can uh, you can interact with the the guys calling the game and stuff like you can tweet in and send messages and stuff like that. So that might be a way to do it. I don't know. Would that get you in it, Jared? No, I I don't know what they could do. I think one thing too is you know that. I don't know if this would be like a huge game changer to get a ton of new fans in, but but there's so many of these like old unwritten rules, uh, you know, about how you're not supposed to bat flip or you're not supposed to if you hit a home run, you're not supposed to you know show off a little bit when you're rounding the bases or anything, and those are the kind of things like that might get some younger fans yeah. into the game a little more when there's more excitement. Yeah, Jose Batista's passion, bat flip you know, was. Sweet. I remember I don't know if you guys watched the World Baseball Classic last year, but um, the guys playing in that that tournament they were they were pumped up to be playing for their country and there was a lot of passion and excitement and that was fun to watch yeah but then you come to the major leagues and and if a guy does a little bat flip after hitting a walk-off home run the pitcher acts like he wants to to fight him or whatever and it's like dude if, if you don't want him to bat flip don't don't serve yeah, up a home a run grip. to him but right. it, it's some of those old uh, unwritten rules in baseball they just kind of bug me yeah i agree with you there they've got to liven things up they got to speed up the pace of the game without a doubt and uh, I don't know. We'll see what baseball comes up with, but they've got to make changes for sure. Things have changed in the media world, too, because podcasts have taken over a little bit, and we're doing pretty well, aren't we, Matt? Yeah, I mean, for, for being, what, 15 episodes in and, you know, kind of like we've said before, we're kind of learning along the way, ironing out some, some kinks and stuff, but I'd say we're doing pretty well. Yeah, the amount of listeners so far, 14 weeks in, a little over 10 grand. That's not bad. And uh, part of it, main, the main part of it is our, our listeners out there. They're sharing with their friends. They're tuning in. And uh, we do appreciate it. And we definitely want to hear some comments. What's that uh, email they can reach out to us again? It's uh, threepointpod at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you there. And also, we, uh, we'll respond to uh, any tweets you send to us. I'm at Z92.5SportsGuy. Matt, you're where? Burnsy381. And I'm at, at Jared Fattel. And of course, Jack Strap even has a Twitter handle, at JackStrap88. Well, I'll tell you guys, another good show. Had a lot of fun talking with Noah. And, uh, you know, let's just call it a show here. I want to thank our sponsors, Rivals Tap House and Grill, our partner in the Three Point Podcast Bracket Challenge. By the way, I want to th- say congratulations to Tim Caswell. Our second place finisher was Hillary. Buckner and Dylan Dowen took home third place in our contest. How about that? Hey, some free beer and wings. Also want to thank the folks at the Corona Connection and Z92.5 The Castle. And as always, this has been a Sportsnet Michigan production. Until next time, thanks for listening to Three Point Podcast.